Kairos with Robohub, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hello and welcome to the RoboHub podcast and our final episode from the Exhibition Hall at the International Conference on Intelligent Robots and Systems, IROS, which was held last year in Madrid, Spain. We've had a whole series of episodes over the last few months covering interviews from IROS and we hope you've enjoyed them as much as we have. For our first interview of this final IROS episode, Audro spoke to Ryan Jaripi, CTO of ClearPath and Autos in Canada. They discussed Boxer, a robust research platform that has been used extensively in industrial contexts over many years. And they explored how Boxer can be used in investigating human-robot interaction questions, including research questions interested in autonomous cars. Hi, welcome to RoboHub's podcast. Hi. Would you introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Ryan Garapi. I'm the CTO of both ClearPath Robotics and Automotors. Mm -hmm. And would you tell me about your new robot that you're demonstrating here today? The robot that we're demonstrating here at IROS is actually an older robot. It's been in the industrial market for two to three years now, and we are making it more available to our research partners. So the industrial market knows it as the Auto 100, and it's being launched in the research world as the Boxer. The Boxer. Nice. Uh, would you describe it? The Boxer is, much like the Auto 100, is a incredibly robust, easy-to-use research platform, mm-hmm. and which is ideal for any sort of research which is being done in more application-focused environments. What do you mean? By application-focused environments, I mean environments where you are putting putting the vehicle into into workspaces, into into markets where it's important to have something which looks and feels and sounds like something which can operate for for years on end. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a small box robot, maybe like how tall? A foot and a half, forty-five centimeters. Yeah, it's it's about it's about forty centimeters tall. Forty centimeters tall. Yep. And then it's a little long box. It has a lidar sensor on it that's it's, planar it's it's very apple like in its design except what do you a mean? little a little heavier but very very rounded and, and yeah. curved corners yes okay and um tell me a bit about how it's used like you mentioned three possible use cases um when we were walking down the stairs just now so from an industrial context there are a number of use cases the first mm-hmm. and simplest is mounting mounting shelves on top of the vehicle and allowing it to autonomously drive around. Yep. The second is to dock with carts, which humans may also be working with, and mm-hmm. move those carts around autonomous, autonomously. And the third is is to serve as a, a, both a literal and figurative platform for new applications. So to interface with the vehicle itself and mm-hmm. add new, uh, add all number of, all, all sorts of new attachments. And the third reason is why we're excited to see it really enter the research community. Yes. Uh, and then, so you mentioned robustness, reliability. Tell me a bit about that for this. 
the the platform on which the boxer is based has been extensively tested in real world environments in real world factory and warehouse environments over mm-hmm. the course of years and because of that we're very very confident that it can stand up to anything a grad student can throw at it nice and so you see it so it's entering the research world as a physical platform kind of like a turtle bot almost that someone might one of those old research platforms Willow Roger or something but then um, the idea is it's there it will always work and you can just put whatever it is you want on it yes for your research that's that's correct we, we also think that we, we also think that it also holds some unique promise in uh, human robot interaction and multi robot uh, multi robot studies mm-hmm. because it includes with it a number of autos patent pending technology on notifications and communications so for instance the 360-degree multicolor individually addressable light strip provides a, a almost infinite amount of possibilities for coming up with new ways to communicate with people. And, of course, self-driving car researchers, on-road self-driving car researchers, are only now beginning to explore the importance of human-robot interactions. The signaling. Yes. There. So would you tell me a bit about how it was signaling in the demo or the, that's running upstairs? So the way that the way that we set things up by default with these with our vehicles is that they're very much like a car. They have taillights, they have headlights. When the vehicle is backing up a short amount of time and it knows that it's only backing up a short amount of time, it turns on what looks like brake lights. And then as it turns left, as it turns right, or even as it's anticipating turning left or right, it will turn on turn signals. Mm-hmm. There is there's obviously other signals which can appear to befit the fact that this is a robot. So if it if it needs to be told where it is, for example, if there is a a fault with the system, there's mm-hmm. other lighting patterns which come up. But so if I if it doesn't know where it is, what does it do? So the, the default is is the you'll see a, a white light go around the perimeter of the robot and if if the speakers are turned on, which they're they're not in that trade show then you would hear like a pinging noise. It's hmm. very evocative of sonar, trying to figure out yeah. what's going on. Gotcha. And so you're imagining this being used as a research platform for figuring out how to signal to humans various things? I think there, there's certainly a lot of potential there. I think the human-robot interaction field is still very nascent. Yes. And having this ability to easily work with lights and sounds extensively is I think, going to be very interesting for people. Mm-hmm. And so just getting into using it for research uh, works with Ross? Yes. And, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very easy to use, I mean, easy I mean, to get started with. Yeah. I mean, ClearPath is one of the first, actually it's the first commercial company outside of Willow Garage to to work with Ross. So of course yeah. we're very, continue to be very strong Ross advocates. You guys even do consulting with Ross, We do correct? consulting with Ross, yes. Gotcha. Um, okay. <laughs> That's all. all. Thank right. you. Thank you for your time. Next up, Audra met with Lars Grimstad, CTO of Saga Robotics in Norway, to learn more about a Lego-like agriculture platform, including its design, power systems, communication protocol, modules, and applications, such as picking hanging strawberries. Hi, welcome to RoboHub's podcast. Hi. 
Would you introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, so my name's uh, Lars. I'm uh, Lars Grimstad. I'm in, uh, with Saga Robotics, an agricultural robotics company. Uh, Where are you based out of? Norway, and also UK, uh, the UK. Um, yeah. So we mainly focus on agricultural applica- applications. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you tell me a bit about what you have at your booth today? Yes, so today we have uh, our Thorvald robot. Um, the interesting, uh, interesting thing about Thorvald is that it's a it's a modular robot. So it's like uh, it's like building blocks that we can put together Thorvald. in. Thorvald is yeah. that okay? Cool. So that's the model of this robot. Thorvald? Uh, yeah, well, it's the name of the modular system. Ah, that's uh, yeah. So it's like a field robot Lego. Cool. Okay. Uh, can you describe it a little bit? Yes, yeah, sure. So, so we have different modules. Uh, so we have one module for, for propulsion that has a wheel attached to it, so that's going to propel the, the robot forward. Okay. We also have a module for steering, so we can point the wheel in any direction we like. Cool. We have modules for suspension, for, for battery storage. Um, so everything that's kind of complicated is inside, uh, kept inside modules, uh, and we can then kind of put these modules where we want to have them, which means that we can make... Uh, robots like the one we have here today, which has all-wheel drive, all-wheel steering. We can make differential drive robots, uh, Ackerman steering robots, robots mm. with any number of, of, of wheels. It's it's a, it's a very customizable uh, setup. Gotcha. And so just to describe it a bit further, it's about waist height. And um, then you have the wheels. The wheels are maybe a foot or 30 centimeters tall. And, um, yeah, big wide robot, white. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, the and then you have large boxes that it holds on the side, and that's I take it batteries, power management, yes, motor that, drivers, yeah. or the motor drivers actually. The, the, in the motor wheels. drivers are local into the, the modules where they kind of ah. are, are relevant. So the boxes on the side are pretty much batteries. Batteries and uh, this kind of uh, one of these boxes is kind of the main computer for the yeah, main thing. computer and, and yeah contains some some electronics and stuff that we need for it to to, to work. Gotcha. And how do you handle? I mean, simple question but how do you ma- do cable management with all of this because I, I mean if it's like a lego kit yes you have all sorts of different lengths of mm. wires that are going to be needed to route that, one that's thing. true it, it looks like they run through the pipes but say i want to make it eight inches wire wider mm. do i have to cut another cable for this or um, uh no so, so there standard will, lengths or there will it? be uh some uh, some uh, the, the cables will kind of uh, they're a bit longer than they look, so you can extend it without changing the cables. If you if you want is to make more it, in the boxes with the power management yes, boxes. Yes, oh, more I see. Clever. And of course, if, if you would like to make it like crazy wide, uh, it's it's a matter of switching or like getting three new cables. So it's it's uh, gotcha. it's fairly easy to, to do. Why are there three cables? That's power and communication. So power, ground, communication. Yeah. Mm. Like, what what kind of communication? Is it serial communication? Well, I, I'm a well, bit rusty on We this. have kind of a... There is a, there's a kind of um, a CAN bus that... that, oh, that a CAN bus. That's connected to all the motor controllers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also like can link computers together in kind of this uh, local network. Um, Why'd you choose CAN? I mean, it's in a lot of automotives. Yes, it's, it's just because it's, it's Reliable, for... Reliable. Uh, yes, very, very robust. And it's for sim- like s- small amounts of data, like velocities and, and positions for the motors and stuff like that. Gotcha. Does Battery each, states. Does each of these, so like a wheel that has its um, ability to change its direction and to drive forward? 
does it have its own, you send it a command of what to do, and then it has its own microcontroller or a little computer on board that's yes. going to follow those instructions? Yeah, that's, that's correct. So you basically so, just delegate. Yes, yeah. So so there is, of course, so, so, so all the motors are like in, uh, independent from each other, uh, but of course they... Uh, are what what they're doing, they're, yeah, they're managed. The they coordinate computer. it from the central computer, but but all the all the modules have their own um, motor controller uh, mm -hmm. in inside to, to kind of deal with with, with controlling each. Uh, yep. and each a motor. little microcontroller or something yes. that follows the instructions. Yep. That's correct. Cool. So the mo motor controller will do the power management and these kinds of things. Yeah, and then ah, very cool. Mm -hmm. So what kind of things has this been used for? Uh, so. Uh, as, as mentioned, we, we do agricultural robotics. Um, the coolest thing we uh, uh, coolest thing we we do is that we pick strawberries. So we have a couple of uh, robotic arms mounted on our uh, uh, our uh, our robot, um, our Thorvald platform. It would yeah. drive along the the rows of strawberries and, and and pick strawberries. Now, one thing that's a little different watching from watching the video here. These strawberries are kind of on an elevated table, and they're growing down so that they overhang. Yes. So and then you pick them that way. That's correct. So, so we focus on uh, tabletop uh, systems, uh, which is um, uh, the way they, they grow strawberries in a lot of countries, especially in the, in the UK, where, where we have uh, uh, where, where we are working on this. Um, so, so that's kind of how they grow strawberries, and. And we see that as easier than, than picking strawberries from, from the ground. So it makes sense for us to kind of uh, focus on, on that type of, of system. Can you tell me how it works? Yeah, sure. So um, this, uh, this is made by uh, my colleague uh, Bill. He's a very, uh, very clever, clever guy. He, he, um, he has designed this special gripper that, uh, that kind of swallows the strawberries without kind of touching them uh, and picks them directly into a container. So, on the video we're showing here, that you see that it's kind of picked into a plastic container. On the newest version, we pick it directly into uh, the kind of container that goes to the supermarket. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and, and so, so we, so we uh, detect, we use, we use a, a 3D camera to, to, to find the strawberries or to... to so it's a red, green, blue uh, depth camera? Yeah, that's... that's like that's, a connect kind of yes, thing? Yes, correct. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a structured light type, type, type yep, camera. structured lighting. Cool. So, um, yeah. And um, yeah, currently we're uh, doing actually this just by color and shape. Uh, this season we have gathered a lot of, of data, a lot of pictures of strawberries, and uh, we will use this data to, to teach our robot uh, not only to separate between red and green strawberries, but separate between good red strawberries and bad red strawberries. Huh. Because there may be very slight difference between a very good strawberry and a, a useless strawberry. What kind of, how will you do that? Uh, well, like, so you get this data, it has good and bad, they're labeled. Yeah, it will I suppose be the whole deep learning uh, Will it be deep thing. learning? You'll get enough instances that it's useful? Or you uh, we, we hope so. We, we have, uh, we to have get uh, basically a feature detector. Well, this, this will basically be, be our, uh, our um, what we'll be doing during the winter. So uh, everything isn't kind of fully decided, but we have been able to capture many, many thousand pictures of, of strawberries that we have uh, labeled. Gotcha. Um, so uh, we're looking forward to, to getting into that. Hmm. Okay, uh, and then how did you get involved with this company? Uh, well, ba basically, the, so, so the Thorvald robot you see here today, uh, this is actually Thorvald 2. Um, the okay. first robot we built um, was Thorvald 1. That was basically my master's thesis. Ah. Um, 
this is basically my PhD thesis, but of course there have Exciting. been a lot of yeah, a lot of a lot of other guys working on this as well, um, doing excellent work. Um, but yeah, so it's just so yeah. we started a few years back and just continue working with it. So, so when you this so you finished your PhD. Uh, yeah, I'm defending it in two weeks. Ah, exciting. So, um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Good luck and thank you. Well, thank you. And for our very last interview from IRS 2018, we hear from Peter Frankhauser, Chief Business Development Officer and co-founder of Anybotics in Switzerland about Animal, a quadrupedal robot and its use for inspection, about the company's future and about moving from research to industry. Hi, welcome to RoboHub's podcast. Hi. Would you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Peter Funkhauser. I'm a co-founder of Anybotics and I've done my PhD at ETH uh, in Legate Robotics and that's where we co-founded the company Anybotics. Mm -hmm. uh, would you tell me a bit about Animal that you're demonstrating now? Yeah, sure. Uh, we're demonstrating Animal. It's a four-legged robot, and it's built to go anywhere where humans typically go. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to bring it into areas where uh, it's hard to do their job because it, uh, for people because it's dangerous, uh, because it might be unhealthy. Mm -hmm. uh, so there, where we think the robot can go in and do useful tasks. Gotcha. And um, what kind of demonstrations are you doing here in the exhibition? Here we show the basic platform of Animal, we do different gates, we run around, we show the capabilities of Animal in terms of uh, turning its joints around uh, to do various maneuvers, uh, we show some falling down, standing up, uh, these kind of things. Gotcha. And what kind of interest are you having at this conference? Yeah, it, it's very nice to, to be here uh, with all the roboticists. Um, they immediately understand the system, that's nice, they understand the complexity and the limitations of it. Um, there's a lot of people in research that ask us, how did you do that, etc. But there's also a lot of uh, companies here interested in the application of it. So we talk to several companies and have now very good contacts uh, to do further projects in the real world. Hmm. What kind of projects in particular? It's mostly about industrial inspection, yes. um, full autonomous, going around in difficult areas, gathering data. That could be visual data, reading sensors, analog sensors, checking for the state of levers, uh, checking for leakage, but there's yes. also thermal inspection, checking temperatures, making sure that things run in a normal uh, operation state, and uh, to catch errors early and to prevent any uh, damages. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, can you tell me a bit about taking this from research to starting yeah, a company yeah. around it? Um, we were doing research in legged robots for almost nine years now, uh, starting from very basic research. And then with the Argos Challenge uh, that was funded by Total, when we, they asked for robots that would go to do autonomous inspection of oil and gas sites. We thought we got in as one of the teams, one of the only teams that with legs, everybody else would retract vehicles. And we started with a very poor prototype, uh, but over time we had to uh, put our research together to make something that actually works. Uh, and that's after the Argos Challenge, our prototype was still not very good, but that's where we saw the demand and said, let's found a company. Uh, people were finishing their masters, their PhDs, and at that point we said, okay, I think there's enough demand from industry for a system that can solve these problems. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, what kind of, what's the direction of the company now? Where, where do you see it heading in the next two yeah, years, yeah, yeah. five years? Uh, what we're doing right now is improving Animal. 
there's going to be future versions that are faster, stronger, more capable, of course. And what we do from the beginning on is to go have pilot projects with real app uh, customers. So I just came back from an offshore installation where we essentially Animal was the world's first autonomous offshore robot. Um, there he went for one week around and solved various tasks and inspection. It goes around, climbs stairs and gathers data with lasers, cameras, thermal cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where we head in. We are exploring different directions of projects with different customers and see where we can, can we deliver the most benefit in the industry with a system like that. Mm-hmm. In parallel, um, we sell robots for universities. Uh, they get the robot, they get uh, all the software that we have, so they get really dig down in our work and start doing research. So we had customers uh, working with it for three months and they started publishing immediately. That's because it's all based on ROS. Uh, they get the simulation with all the tools in Gazebo that we know. Uh, they're very quickly familiar with the system and can start working on it. Gotcha. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And that concludes our IROS coverage from 2018. We hope you enjoyed the selection of interviews from the event. And don't forget, we will be covering more in-depth interviews with some of the delegates in future episodes. As always, you can find plenty more episodes, including several covering previous IROS conferences, on our website at robohub.org forward slash podcast. Our podcast wouldn't still be going without listeners like you tuning in every two weeks. So we would like to thank all of you for your continued interest and support. And we're always happy to hear from our listeners. So if there's anything you like about the podcast or maybe things you don't like all that much, get in touch and email our president, Audro, at audro.nash at robohub.org. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Iros with Robohub, podcast for news and views on robotics.